Good morning. Uh, you'll notice it's getting kind of full in here, uh, which is a good thing. And uh, I want you to know that we, uh, we prayerfully and strategically think about these things, about how full does our uh, uh, sanctuary need to be before we go to two services and so forth. And um, we're not ready to do that yet. Uh, there's uh, volunteer issues and other issues involved in that. Plus, we love being together in one service. So we're trying to put that off as, as far in the future as we can. So uh, just in the meantime, um, we would just encourage you guys, thank you for sitting on the front row. I know it's hard to sit on the front rows, right? Uh, I, no one really likes doing it. Some people don't do it because they don't want to be on TV. And we're working to fix that, so you would not be on TV if you did sit on the front row. So, um, but maybe when you come in and if you're early, uh, just, you know, sit in the middle so that we could utilize as many seats as we can. We still have more space in the balcony, although it looks like there's a lot of people up there this morning. So, um, which is fantastic. This is a great uh, thing for us to kind of go through as a church as we grow. And the other exciting things that are happening that are kind of keeping us from moving to two services is the Farmville Church plant's going to start probably in the, in the spring, right? If not, before, yeah. if not before, as well as the Amelia church plant. So, you know, we're probably going to have a good, you know, 40 or 50 people that are going to move on uh, to, uh, to plant these churches. And again, that's going to relieve some space in here as well. But just want you to know that's what we're working on. Appreciate you kind of um, being held in together and uh, enjoying this one service as long as we can do it. So uh, we're going to continue. Actually, I'm going to finish up um, our series on overwhelmed but overcoming. And um, fortunately, we've gone through some really uh, difficult topics, haven't we? And uh, this morning, it's, it's going to be a, um, about Thanksgiving. So I'm kind of excited I get to do that one um, uh, in the midst of having to go through some of these tougher issues, which are really in- important for us to go through, right? And we believe that the gospel speaks directly to not only the great joys that we have in life and the celebrations and the good things that God brings to us, but we also understand that the gospel gives us a chance to um, walk through the dark times and the really difficult issues that we have to struggle and face. Um, That's why it's good news uh, in all that. So... um, We're going to read Psalm 118, I'm going to read the whole chapter, and then uh, we're going to hit on a few points and kind of mainly look at that uh, sort of in my third point. But let's go ahead and look at Psalm 118. It says this, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his his steadfast love endures forever. Let Israel say his steadfast love endures forever. Let the house of Aaron say his steadfast love endures forever. Let those who fear the Lord say, His steadfast love endures forever. Out of my distress I called on the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me free. The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. All nations surrounded me. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me, surrounded me on every side. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. They surrounded me like bees. They went out like a fire among thorns. In the name of the Lord, I cut them off. I was pushed hard so that I was falling, but the Lord helped me. 
The Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. The right hand of the Lord exalts. The right hand of the Lord does valiantly. I shall not die, but I shall live and recount the deeds of the Lord. The Lord disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. I thank you that you have answered me and have become my salvation. The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. This is the Lord's doing. It is marvelous in our eyes. This is the day that the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it. Save us, we pray, O Lord. O Lord, we pray, give us success. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. We bless you from the house of the Lord. The Lord is God, and he has made his light to shine upon us. Bind the festal sacrifice with cords up to the horns of the altar. You are my God, and I will give thanks to you. You are my God. I will extol you. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for, his, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. Mm. Let's pray. Father in heaven, we are, we are thankful, and I, I, we're overwhelmed by your, by your blessing, by your goodness and your mercy to us, and, and, it, and it causes us to, to pour out our thanksgiving to you. I, I pray, Lord, that we'll see uh, sort of what that looks like this morning, that we'll continue to see from this psalm and other passages of, of Scripture what we can be thankful for and how you've taken care of our needs, uh, maybe even in unexpected places. So please speak to us this morning in Jesus' name, amen. So um, we are getting ready, right? We're four days away from sitting around that Thanksgiving table and the big question's gonna be, what are you thankful for, right? And there's no, there's no wrong answer. There's no wrong answer to that. Ephesians 5.20 says, give thanks always for everything to God the Father in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. And 1 Thessalonians 5.18 says, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God. We should be overwhelmed with thanksgiving, with gratitude for the things we have, for our relationships, and for a God who cares for us so well. So this morning, while there are a million things we can be thankful for, I'm going to key in on three. One is that we're, going to, we're thankful for the people that God's put in our lives. We're thankful for our spiritual growth, our, the, the, the deep relationship we have with the Lord. And we're thankful for his redemption through Jesus. So first of all, let's think about this, why and how we can be thankful for other people. I would imagine that the most popular answer around the thing Thanksgiving table when asked, what are you thankful for, is going to be, I'm thankful for my family, right? I mean, your family's there. Some people will say it because they're genuinely, sincerely excited about their family. Some people will say it because they feel like they have to say that, right? Um, And it's great. God's, 
We are thankful for our families. And we should be. And God's placed you in your particular family that you have for very particular purposes. And I also recognize that some families may be a bit more dysfunctional than others. And what I want to encourage you is that um, to be thankful for not just the easy relationships that we have, but for the difficult ones as well. We all have to remember that at one time we were the difficult ones in our relationship with the Lord, right? Uh, But he didn't disown us. He didn't uh, push us away. Uh, He didn't stop talking to us or give up on us. God simply loved us back to himself through Jesus. And I know this is a really difficult time for some of you uh, that have actually been disowned by your family. For maybe for things that have happened in the past couple of years uh, through politics or COVID or vaccines or racial issues or whatnot. I know it's created a tremendous strain on a lot of relationships within families. And I want you to know that we pray about those. And we, we pray that God will reconcile you to your families. And I, I, I want to encourage you to persevere through those times. Even when you feel misunderstood or wronged, um, that God is in that relationship and that he's given you a spirit of reconciliation, a spirit of, and a desire to continue to love your family the way he has loved us. So yes, let's be thankful for our families. Let's love them with the power of the gospel that's been implanted in our hearts. The other thing that we can be thankful for in terms of people are our friends, right? Uh, And I hope that you have some friends that you're thankful for. I'm sure you do. Again, God has placed these particular people in your life for a reason. And we weren't created to live in relational isolation from people. We were created to live in relationship, in fellowship with others. And you obviously have different degrees of friendships, some that are closer than others, and that's okay. The scriptures encourage us to have friends that are closer than a brother. Um, and, I, and I would encourage you to rejoice over those friends. Uh, giving thanks to God to, for putting them in your life. That they love you deeply and that they, those people challenge you in ways that might even make you uncomfortable and that they are there in the good times and the bad times. Um, you may have heard me mention before, I've got three friends that have been in my life since high school. That's over 40 years these men have been in my life. Um, and even though we are geographically distant, we've kept our friendships strong and healthy and tight, close-knit. And I'm so thankful that I have these friends who know me so well and have stuck it out with me through all of the life challenges that our family has faced. Uh, We talk weekly. Um, We ask for advice from one another. uh, And we pray for each other's families. That is something to be thankful for. And I I hope that you have uh, developed some friendships like that in in your life. And and during this time, right, of Thanksgiving, that we are reminded to be thankful for friends like that. 
The other area of us being thankful for other people's, other people, um, is the church, or what I like to call the covenant community. So the Apostle Paul opens several of his letters to the churches, so if you read through the, the New Testament, you'll notice this, with thanksgiving statements like these. This is from 1 Corinthians 1. I always thank, so remember, I'm sorry, remember, when Paul's writing a letter uh, to these churches, it, 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 it's, it's very personal in a lot of ways, right? Uh, he's not just writing to a group of people that maybe um, he doesn't necessarily care about. He cares deeply about them. He wants to see them grow and flourish and understand the gospel in deeper ways. So it, gets, it could get very personal. So he says things like this, 1 Corinthians 1. I always thank my God for you because of his grace given you in Christ Jesus. Or Colossians 1. We always thank God the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ when we pray for you. 1 Thessalonians 1.3. We ought always to thank God for you, brothers and sisters, and rightly so, because your faith is growing more and more, and the love all of you have for one another is increasing. So Paul gives us this great example of how we are to be thankful for our church and the people in this, in this church, in this congregation, right? And I think specifically about Spring Run. God's given us people that we can worship and minister alongside with. It's beautiful. And as you look around this room, right? Even if you just take a look around this room, you quickly realize that God has used each one of us to help encourage one another. That's what he does. That's how he works. In some way, and I'm thankful for men who have mentored me. I'm thankful for the women who teach and inspire me to love others and to take risks. I uh, met with um, Carol Lenti this uh, past week and she was uh, just sharing with me the fact that she and some other women uh, go down to one of the real life houses which uh, for the women uh, that Sarah Scarborough set up and they do a Bible study. They provide uh, a meal and they do a Bible study and I just thought, you know, you're, they're entering into spaces that make them uncomfortable. I mean, these, these are women, women who have come out of jail or prison and are trying to uh, recover from those addictions and so forth and get back involved. Um, and it's Sue Shepard and Kathy Cullen and other women who have taken the risks to, to go and, and just to love these women and care about them. And so I'm just so thankful for that. I, just, I was just like, over, again, literally overwhelmed with thankfulness. I'm thankful for those of you who sacrifice your time and talents for, uh, to lead the youth in our church and the children in our church. I'm thankful for how people use their own God-given gifts to serve one another in myriads of ways. It's just amazing. And um, here's, here's kind of a, a funny one. I'm thankful for the pickleball group that's uh, popped up here. If you didn't know this, um, several of us, uh, it's been about 15 of us at least, uh, have been playing pickleball on Wednesday nights here at um, the, the CTC. And um, it's just been so much fun to, to hang out with people. You know, it's, it's not a Bible study. It's not a community group, right? It's just, we're just having fun hanging out and interacting, getting, getting to meet people uh, in our church and uh, that we've never met before. And then also, what the other cool thing, what I like is 
uh, some, some of the folks are, are just bringing their friends, you know. James Flowers is a bringer, so he just brings his friends, and, and then they get to interact with, with one another, and um, uh, it's, just been, it's just been really fun to, to watch that um, take place and introduce people to one another and, and everything. Uh, it's encouraging. I'm also thankful for Jim Conrad and the ministry that he had when he was here. Um, he had a ministry with me, uh, which I took very seriously and loved the man dearly, but also with um, some of the uh, folks here in our congregation. Obviously, many of you are recipients of that ministry, right? Uh, he got the brunch for the bunch going. He started a men's Bible study, uh, both of which continue to, to go strong under the leadership of Tom and Leslie Creel and Dave Lenti and, and others. I'm just thankful that people decide to take risks, give up their time, uh, build relationships, start things that connect us uh, to one another and to help us grow closer to Jesus. Philemon, this little um, one chapter letter that Paul writes, um, he says this, he says, I always thank my God as I remember you in my prayers because I hear about your love for all his holy people in your faith in the Lord Jesus. I pray that your partnership with us in the faith may be effective in deepening your understanding of every good thing we share for the sake of Christ. Your love has given me great joy and encouragement because you, brother, have refreshed the hearts of the Lord's people. That's what we're thankful for, right? Uh, it is truly overwhelming uh, for me when I think about it and hope that you are thankful for one another as well as I am here, just here in this church. So we are thankful for other people in many different ways, and we could go on. Uh, But I also think that we can be thankful for our own spiritual growth, okay? So, uh, you know, our goal in life, right, is uh, to glorify God and to enjoy Him. That's what God wants us to do. Um, uh, Then it makes sense for us to rejoice and to be thankful when, when that actually happens, when we actually grow deeper spiritually, meaning when we engage with the Holy Spirit to draw closer into our relationship with God our Father and with Jesus our Redeemer. We should be thankful for that. When we see God working in our hearts to make us more like Jesus. And I encourage you to pay attention to that. Pay attention to what God is doing in your heart and in your life to cause you to be more like Jesus and to be thankful for that. Um, Some of you, again, have heard um, my testimony uh, about uh, going to seminary. So um, uh, back in 1990, uh, Julie and I had, had been married for just over a year, or actually just under a year actually, and we decided we wanted to go on Young Life staff full time and someone encouraged me, he said, you really should go to seminary first and get your degree before that happens. So we decided to move out to St. Louis. Uh, we lived here uh, in Richmond, moved to St. Louis and start going to Covenant Seminary, which is the seminary of, of the PCA. And um, at the time that I, I didn't understand what Reformed theology was, even though I'd grown up at Stony Point Church. Nothing against Stony Point Church. I just wasn't paying attention to what was going on, right? I mean, you know, you're a high school kid, college, like you're just not paying attention. So um, I didn't even know what Reformed theology was. Didn't make any, you know. Um, but I show up, and um, it was a unique time in the, in the sort of in the, in the history of, of the seminary in the season. They had uh, just got a new president, Paul Koistra, and um, several other professors, and their goal was to make grace 
the center of everything that they taught at the seminary and how they led people and how they encouraged students. And so there was this really uh, huge emphasis on understanding God's grace through the redeeming power of the gospel. And so, um, you know, I, I'm just learning. I'm soaking it in. Um, very, uh, I think, immature in my understanding of, of um, how and what the Christian faith is supposed to look like. I really, uh, even though I would um, not necessarily say it out loud, I would often think in my mind that uh, my spiritual disciplines are, were the things that caused God to love me right, and to accept me. It's things like, you know, reading my Bible and having my quiet time every day, memorizing scripture, um, reaching out to the lost, um, my prayer life, and so forth. I really felt like God's acceptance of me was based on whether or not I did those things. And through my time at Covenant Seminary, I learned to understand that's just not true. That's not true at all. That's the farthest thing from the truth. God loves me and accepts me based on what Jesus has done, what he did for me. And so it was this whole understanding of God's grace through Jesus alone, right? Jesus plus nothing equals everything that I came to understand what God's grace really was. And it just, when I understood it, it was, it was literally like I was um, understanding the faith afresh again, right? I mean, yeah, I was a genuine believer, but it just opened up a new way for me to read and understand the scriptures. I was like, you know, before I would read the, uh, the scriptures and I'd say, okay, now I have to go and do them. And it was like, no, 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 no. Now that when you read the scriptures, you understand you're reading about who God is and what he's done for you, right? And yeah, it gives us commands uh, and so forth, but those commands are done uh, and happen out of the fruit of what God and Jesus are already doing in my heart. It was just completely freeing for me. It's like uh, uh, the chains had fallen off and I had been freed from this prison, uh, basically of legalism, right? And uh, now I could uh, live freely uh, instead of thinking as my uh, quiet times and prayer time and, and Bible studies were, were no longer a duty, but they became a delight, and so I was just so thankful for that time that I had and for the people that impacted my life there, um, the men and women that, that poured into me the three years that, that Julie and I were there is amazing. So you may have had a similar experience at some point in your life. If you haven't, I hope you, you will, and I pray that you will. Um, or maybe you've just simply seen God continuously at work shaping and molding you, something to be thankful for. Think about your spiritual your spiritual growth, spiritual life, time when you were thankful that God showed you um, his love uh, through someone forgiving you and you had done something uh, against them and, and yet they forgave you and that caused you to really begin to break down uh, some barriers and, and see God's grace in it. Or, or maybe that you had the courage to forgive someone who had hurt you. That's a sign of spiritual growth to be thankful for. Um, how about maybe a, when God enabled you to overcome an addiction? Something to be thankful for. Or are you thankful when God shows you more of your sin? This is a weird one. He shows you more of your sin so that you see how big the cross really is. Think about that one. 
Was there a time when you were convicted of your pride and maybe that led to a restored relationship? That the relationship was broken or dysfunctional because you were so prideful that you didn't want to um, try to be a part of fixing it. But God broke that pride down and put humility in your hearts that you could reconcile that relationship. Are you grateful for the new desires that God has given you to read the scriptures and pray and worship? How about your identity in Christ? That we are um, different people now. We've been born again. And God gives us a brand new identity as his children. We sang about that earlier. It's beautiful. Have you grown in how you're able to love people that you may have had a hard time loving in the past? Again, that's a sign of spiritual growth for us to be thankful for. And just simply, have you grown in understanding the depths of God's love for you? Something for us to pay attention to. Psalm 118, verse 18, says this. This is an interesting one for us to be thankful for in our spiritual growth. The Lord has disciplined me severely, but he has not given me over to death. So are you thankful when the Lord disciplines you? Usually not, right? Our kids are not usually thankful when we discipline them. But um, it's for our good, isn't it? And when we are growing spiritually, we begin to understand these things. And just as we know that when we as parents discipline our children, we know it's for their good. We should be thankful for God's discipline of us. Thankful to God for his disciplining us, which actually draws us closer to himself and brings us to swim in his ocean of mercy and grace. So we're thankful for other people. We're thankful for the spiritual growth that God works in our lives and challenges us with. And then finally, we need to be thankful for our redemption in Christ. That God has redeemed us from being lost forever. Think about that. From being lost forever. I think about my own life. Where would I be without Jesus? And I think I probably would have made some really stupid life decisions. um, That may have ruined my life or just made my life miserable. Right? I mean, I look at um, some of the decisions that um, my dad made. And if I would have followed in those footsteps, it would not have been good. Or just, you know, just I think for me it was um, when I came to Christ and grew in my relationship with him and over the years had people mentor me who were strong Christian believers, uh, it, it just gave, gave me a different perspective on life and wisdom and how to live life in a way that not just pleases God, but it was is successful, right? And I don't necessarily mean like material successful, but just like relationally successful, spiritually successful, how God does that. And so I look back and I think if, if Jesus hadn't saved me, like I would have never experienced any of that. Never experienced any of that. And so I'm so thankful Because when you enter into a relationship with Christ, it changes the path and the direction of your life. I want us to take a a closer look at Psalm 118 to finish this out. Um, 
and especially for this one that we understand that we're thankful for our redemp- God's redemption through Jesus. So verse 1 says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His steadfast love endures forever. His steadfast love endures. Thank you, Jesus, that you've not given up on me, right? He endures with us. He endures through me. My salvation is secure for eternity, and that is something to be thankful for. Then we see in verses 5 through 7, the psalmist says, Out of my distress I called on the Lord, and the Lord answered me and set me free. I was imprisoned by my own sin and rebellion. We all were. But Christ has set us free to live for him. We were in distress. We called and he answered. We should be thankful that God hears us and answers us and then sets us free. He doesn't just listen. He actually listens and does something. It's beautiful. How about verses 6 and 7? The Lord is on my side. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is on my side as my helper. I shall look in triumph on those who hate me. Thanks be to God that I do not have to fear. I know we all get afraid of things. But the scriptures are telling us you do not have to be, it doesn't have to be that way. If God's on your side, then you really have nothing to fear. No matter what it is. Because God is on your side. He's your helper. You can't say this about anything or anyone else in your life. Think about that for a minute. There are people that can help you. There are things that can help you. But not to the extent that that you can have absolutely no fear because of the power of God. How about verse 14? The Lord is my strength. Catch that. The Lord is my strength. Not I'm strong, but the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. Glad songs of salvation are in the tents of the righteous. Songs of thanksgiving and praise. That's, that's what it is, right? The Lord is my strength and the glad songs of my salvation. I'm thankful for the Lord and his redeeming power. Finally, in verses 19 to 29, we really see some direct foreshadowing of Christ, the Messiah. Verse 19 says, Open to me the gates of righteousness that I may enter in through them and give thanks to the Lord. This is the gate of the Lord. The righteous shall enter through it. Does that remind you of anything from the New Testament? How about John 10.10? When Jesus is speaking to the Pharisees and the disciples and they're trying to figure out what in the world he's talking about. And he says, Jesus tells them that he is the gate through which we must enter. If we're going to get to God the Father, we must enter somehow. Okay? And, And Jesus is the gate. He calls himself that. How about um, verse 22? It says, The stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. 
We see this in many different places in the New Testament about Jesus being the cornerstone and the capstone. But specifically, listen to these verses from Ephesians 2, 19 to 22. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. Again, that statement, that's, that's that you've been brought into this covenant community, into this family of God. You've become... Um, citizens in God's kingdom. And verse 20 says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple to the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. There's so much in there. We, we, we don't have time. That's a whole nother six or seven sermons in that one passage, right? But when we see that, that Christ is the cornerstone, he is the one that our lives are built upon. And he puts his spirit into our hearts. How about verse 28? Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Heard that anywhere? Where have we heard that? When Jesus came in triumphal entry into Jerusalem for the last time. These are the same words that the crowd shouted in worship as Jesus entered into Jerusalem in Matthew 21. See how the scriptures work together so well? The Old Testament and the New Testament. It's awesome. How about this one, verse 27? The Lord is God and he has made his light to shine upon us. John 8, 8, 12, Jesus says that he is the light of the world. It says this, when Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but have the light of life. Jesus is the light of the world. What a great testimony from Nick and Maya this morning. You could tell not Maya in the video. She's not happy about the war in Ukraine. And I don't think it's just because it affects her personally, but it affects her country and it affects the people that she loves so much. But she's, I think, uh, even for, because you kind of see the change in the video, um, she's turned that anger into a passion to not give up and to see Jesus' light spread throughout all of Ukraine. With actual light, because they need generators and stuff, and that's what we're going to help with, but also with the light of Christ. It's unbelievable. Our redemption in Christ should overwhelm us with thankfulness. I want to just close by reading um, a prayer out of this little book called The Valley of Vision. We use it sometimes in our worship, in our liturgy. Uh, it's a book of Puritan prayers. So when I, when I pr- we're going to pray this, uh, you'll notice it's in sort of old English. I don't normally pl- pray with the these and the thous, but I'm going to do that this morning just because I'm going to read this, this prayer to you. I think it sums things up really well. So would you pray with me? Oh my God. Thou fairest, greatest, first of all objects, my heart admires, adores, and loves thee. 
For my little vessel is as full as it can be. And I would pour out all that fullness before thee in ceaseless flow. When I think upon and converse with thee, 10,000 delightful thoughts spring up. 10,000 sources of pleasure are unsealed. 10,000 refreshing joys spread over my heart, crowding into every moment of happiness. I bless thee for the soul thou hast created, for adorning it, sanctifying it, though it is fixed in barren soil, for the body thou hast given me, for preserving its strength and vigor, for providing senses to enjoy delights, for the ease and freedom of my limbs, for hands, eyes, ears that do thy bidding. For thy royal bounty providing my daily support. For a full table and overflowing cup. For appetite, taste, sweetness. For social joys of relatives and friends. For ability to serve others. For a heart that feels sorrows and necessities. For a mind to care for my fellow men. For opportunities of spreading happiness around for loved ones and the joys of heaven, for my own expectation of seeing thee clearly. I love thee above the powers of language to express for what thou art to thy creatures. Increase my love, O my God, through time and eternity. O give thanks to the Lord, for his steadfast love endures forever. Amen. Uh, We come to 